Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Church, as we continue in prayer today, we're going to pray this prayer of illumination that we've been praying throughout this series. Will you join with me in prayer? Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word, your grace in your covenant, and your goodness in your grace, and your love in your goodness, and yourself in your love, and in all the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Over the past year, God has been taking me on a journey to learn how to rest. Coming out of student ministry where programs happen at such a frenetic pace as the the youth culture happens at the same pace. It was difficult for me to find a rhythm of rest. And God spoke to me uh, through uh, several books that I read this past year as I've learned to rest. And one of them is the series that we're in today, uh, the third part of our series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. The second book is Why We Sleep. It's a a book that is uh, written from a secular perspective that scientifically looks at the, the reason for sleep the benefits of sleep, the, the hindrances to our sleep, the, the, the things that happen as a result of a lack of sleep. And uh, it has dramatically changed my relationship to sleep. It's a great book, and I'd encourage you to read it. But I started asking as I was reading this book, why did God design us to sleep, right? Like three, like a third of our lives are spent in this unconscious state of sleep. If God is all powerful and almighty and and can do all things, then why could he not just create us as ultra productive beings that have no need for sleep? In our hurried world of busy and excess, The markers of success are productivity, and sleep seems to get in the way of all of that. If God desired for us to be achievers and productive, then why make us need for sleep? Can you imagine what would happen in our world if there was no reset? every day? Can you imagine the grudges that would hold on forever? Can you imagine the drug use, the alcoholism, the workaholism that would happen if there was no reset? Imagine how much food we would consume if sleep was not necessary. Imagine how long we would binge watch on Netflix 
if sleep was not part of our daily rhythms. Imagine all of the times that that shame message would pop up. Are you still watching? Where it could be asked in a really gentle, polite tone, but I think that they're really asking like, are you seriously still watching? Because we are a people bent towards destructive behavior, we need reset in our lives. And so God gave us, in his, in his grace, in his mercy, resets. Every night, we have a reset. Every week, we have a reset. Every year, we have a reset. We need to be reset because our world is in constant need of restoration. In the DNA of our world, we see this. It was, it was created with rhythms of rest with a greater purpose of restoration. These rhythms are set up in sevens in Scripture. If you saw the video that we posted on uh, our Mission Weekly page, it's by the Bible Project, and it gives a beautiful overview of Sabbath in Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, Sabbath is a theme that is woven all throughout the Holy Scripture. You see, in the beginning, God created six days. And on each of the six days, it says that there was morning and there was night. But on the seventh day, the pattern is broken. On the seventh day, it says that God rested because it was completed and there was no day and night on the seventh day. It's as if we were meant to stay in that seventh day. It's as if we were meant as a people, created as a people, to remain in Sabbath rest, in worship to our God. You know the rest of the story, right? Sin enters into to our story, and one of, the, one of the punishments for sin is that Adam would work, and he would toil, and he would grow weary, because of our sin, we are in need of rest and restoration. And so as we open up the word of God today to Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see this command from God as he speaks the Ten Commandments yet again a second time because his people need to be reminded in the wilderness. The second generation needs to hear these words once again. We hear him give the command, not the suggestion, but the command to his people to remember the Sabbath. If you would, stand as we read the word of God today from Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or female servant, nor your ox or your donkey or any other animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and your female servants may rest as you do. Remember, 
that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God has brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, I was preparing to, to write this sermon on Sabbath and uh, started studying it and saw this word that said, command you to Sabbath. I kept reading and, and kind of surveying the scriptures for where it talked about Sabbath. And, me, and several times, God reminded his people of the Sabbath and actually said, if you don't take the Sabbath seriously, you will die. <laughs> so I said, geez, maybe I should probably try this Sabbath thing. Sabbath literally means to stop. Uh, that's not in my DNA. That's not in my normal rhythms of life. It's not in my, my, my idea of what this world looks like. I'm a pretty high energy guy when it comes to, to work and family and kids and all of the things that happen in my life. And stop is not necessarily my gifting. Over the last 14 years of ministry, my life has been riddled, if I'm being honest and confessing here today, with a balance or maybe an imbalance of a rhythm of busyness to crash. It's like I'm going 90 miles an hour down the highway, missing all of the warning signs that are flying by me, and all of a sudden I slam on my brakes and just expect to stop on a dime and be able to rest. Usually when I go on vacation, I slam on those brakes, but it takes at least five or six days to actually experience rest. And then the next day I'm thinking about work that I'm about to come back into. You may know this rhythm. It's hard to rest. In my life, uh, I've been juggling seminary and family and this increasing list of kids' activities that are happening at a frenetic pace. And then there's my job, where Jesus literally wrote my job description that says, go unto all nations. Every tribe, nation, and tongue. This endless job description that, that literally will not be finished until Jesus comes back. You can't check out at the end of the day and say the work is done. Rhythms of rest are not just going to happen. They must be scheduled and prioritized. So I had a Friday off about two weeks ago. A Friday off where the kids were finally in school. I hadn't started my seminary work yet for the semester. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to Sabbath. I'm going to really intentionally slow down and Sabbath. I have a yard that needs to be mowed. I have uh, all sorts of, of projects on the honeydew list. But today I'm going to try to intentionally Sabbath. And so I, I woke up early and kept my phone on the charger. I, I took a slow start to the day, got the kids out the door for, for school. I sipped my coffee. I read my Bible. I meditated and prayed. 
I felt pretty good about the day. And then I went to the window and I looked outside and said, man, it's a nice day. I should go play golf. <laughs> so so I, call, I call up the golf course and they're like, hey, uh, do you have a tea time? I hadn't really scheduled this and planned ahead. And they said, yes, we have, we have one tea time. Uh, it's in about 30 minutes. Can you get here? And I'm like, of course I can get there, right? And so I'm frantically getting ready to, to, to go play golf. And I get out the door and I'm kind of moving through traffic a little bit, maybe faster than I should be getting to, getting to the golf course. And, and I get on the golf course and, and it seems pretty clear, like pretty open. There's nobody really in front of me, a, a single tee off in front of me. And, and behind me, there's, uh, there's nobody behind me. I'm like, this is, this is going to be nice. Oh, by the way, when I grabbed my cart, um, I noticed a little bit of like sound underneath my cart uh, as I was pulling out. But I was like, I got to make my tea time. Uh, I got, I'm rushing to make my tea time. So I didn't have time to really turn my cart around, change it out and, and switch it out. So um, I'm golfing solo. And I'm like, this is going to be a great time to just pray and golf, to slow down. But I get up there and I see that there's nobody in front of me, nobody behind me. And I'm like, I could probably get this round done in two and a half hours. If I really, and then I could get back and, and do, the, do some more things on my list. And I hear God just telling me, slow down. And so I find myself rushing. I see a one sum up in front of me. I'm like, he's going to keep going fast. So I'm going to keep going fast. I see myself missing putts because I'm not stopping to read the break of the green. I'm not slowing down. I'm, I'm driving fast on my cart between holes. And about hole four, I'm pulling back up onto the cart path and I hit kind of the bump and I hear a clang, clang, clang underneath my cart. And I see a tree in front of me. And so I start turning and the wheel just keeps on spinning without the cart moving at all. And thank God I was golfing solo because I screamed like a little girl <laughs> as that tree fast approached. And I kid you not, the steering column on my cart had broken. And as I slammed on my brakes, it's, it's as if God yelled at me, stop, slow down. And for the rest of the round, I had to drive about a quarter of the speed because if I turned the wheel very slowly, it would actually catch. Turns out about, by about hole 11, I got stuck behind a five-some and two six-sums. So a round was, was completely stopped. We have a hard time slowing down, don't we? And even a harder time slowing down for an entire day. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. I realized in that moment, and as I've been reading scripture, that I don't believe God. I don't believe God that life is better with Sabbath. I believe so often that there's not enough time for Sabbath. It's not reasonable or sustainable for life to actually pr 
to actually practice the Sabbath. Sabbath is unproductive. And the problem is, is that I have been trying to fit moments of Sabbath into my busy schedule. When I think what God is calling us to in his command to keep the Sabbath holy is to fit our schedule into the Sabbath. To make this a rhythm of our lives. To observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. See, Sabbath is essential to our soul's rest. And rest is essential to our soul's restoration. God calls us to trust him in this. Yes, it's counterintuitive. Yes, it doesn't make sense. This is a countercultural way of living. This is the countercultural way of God. And, and we even see it mimicked in the organic nature of our world. In Exodus 23, 10, God is commanding his people for six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. What? This is our livelihood. This is the way that we, this, this is the lifeblood of our whole society and community. This agriculture is essential to us thriving as a, as a culture, and as a, as a community. What do you mean? Let a whole field, let rest for a whole year and produce no crop. This makes no sense, God. Why would we do that? God says, trust me, because my Sabbath is a gift to you. Today, we call this fallowing the ground. And it's a common practice in agriculture backed up by science that they had no concept of at the time. Fallowing the ground, fallowing the soil can cause potassium and phosphorus from the deep below to rise up towards the soil surface where it can be used by crops later. Other benefits of following the soil are that it rises levels of carbon, nitrogen, and organic matter. It improves moisture, the moisture holding capacity, and increases beneficial microorganisms in the soil. Studies have shown that a field that has been allowed to lie fallow for just one year produces almost double the yield when it is planted the next. The Sabbath is a great resistance to our culture of hurry and productivity. But it is the way of creation. It is the way of God. It is how our world was designed. Philosopher H.H. Farmer said this, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. But church, I don't know if you looked around at our world today, but we got some splinters. Stress is at an all-time, stress levels among uh, teenagers and adults is at an all-time high. Anxiety levels, you can't even get into a local therapist these days. They've created online therapy where you can go and Zoom with a therapist to meet the need. Suicide rates since 2000 have increased by 30% in America. We've all experienced seasons where we felt trapped, 
overwhelmed and even enslaved by the stress and situation that we're in. That's why in our Deuteronomy text, it reminds the Israelite people, remember where you were back in slavery. My Sabbath, this thing that I'm commanding you, it's a gift. It's a gift to keep you from being a slave in this endless cycle of work and productivity. Keep the Sabbath and stop enslaving yourself in the destructive behaviors that are so common and natural. One of the things that John Mark cites in in this book is that there was a doctor who did a study of the happiest people on earth. And among them was this religious group called the Seventh-day Adventists who strictly adhere to a Sabbath every seventh day. Along with that study, it showed that that Seventh-day Adventists, on average, lived 10 years longer than the average, the average adult. 10 years longer. He did the math, and uh, if you were to take every seventh-day Sabbath rest and apply it to the average lifespan of between 70 and 80, it almost exactly adds up to 10 years. Mind blown. It's like this thing was made for us. Made for us to thrive. In fact, Jesus says so. When the Pharisees are asking him if, about what he's doing on the, on the Sabbath, whether he's healing people or, or he's uh, picking grain, Jesus replies to them in Mark 2 and says to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was given as a gift to us to draw us back into rhythms of rest so that we might be restored. The Sabbath, friends, is REM sleep for our soul, says Tim Keller. So you're sitting there. And you say, I don't, I get you, Clint, but I don't need the Sabbath. I'm retired. Every day is a Sabbath. Maybe you're saying, I'm too busy for a Sabbath. Maybe at the end of this season, I'll, I'll think about Sabbath. Well, friends, that season will never end. I feel fine. I'll Sabbath when I crash. You know, I think we, we, we hesitate to take up this practice of Sabbath because we, are, we don't think that we can actually fulfill all of the, the rules around Sabbath. But when Jesus says that I made, made, I, I made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath, he said it's not about the rules, it's about the principle of Sabbath. And here's the principle of Sabbath. It's three things. It is holy, it is worship, and it is rest. Sabbath is an echo of eternity. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's meant to be set apart. It's meant to be different than the rest of our week. It's meant to be something completely other. It's meant to be intentional, to lay it out, 
to say, here's what I'm going to do on my Sabbath. And not just hope that it comes to you. It's meant to be holy. Second, it's meant to be worship. A Sabbath is an echo of eternity. It's an echo of of where we were meant to be with God. And so it ought to be filtered through a lens of worship. Is what I'm doing here worship? It doesn't necessarily need to be Sunday morning here at church, but it does need to be honoring and glorifying to God. It could be coming here on Sunday morning. It could be spending time in the Word and in prayer. It could be sitting down to a meal with a glass of wine with friends to encourage one another. It could be sitting down to coffee to, to edify one another in small group. John Wesley says, Awake, you everlasting spirit, out of your dream of worldly happiness. Did not God create, him, create you for himself? then you cannot rest until you rest in him. Finally, Sabbath ought to be rest. Whether it's active or passive or maybe a combination of the two, we need to find space to simply meditate, to simply turn off the phone and turn off a podcast and turn off the the, the noise and just process and think and engage with the God who created you. Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. Like any discipline, it takes work and it takes practice. It's something you must grow into. It will look different for each person in the room. It'll look different in every season in your life. But church, please do it. Because God commanded us. When we embrace and prioritize rhythms of Sabbath, it allows us to find rest even when we are in seasons of chaos. When we neglect the rhythms of Sabbath, of regular Sabbath, we can easily find ourselves weary even in the midst of trying to rest. And one of my favorite movies, and I'll close with this, one of my favorite movies, old movies, is Chariots of Fire. You know the song, dun, 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 right? We remember that one scene where he's slow motion running to the finish line. But the reason he's slow motion running to the finish line is because it's, it's not his race. He was made to race in the 100 meter dash and he's racing in the 400 meter dash because the 100 meter dash had been rescheduled to Sunday. Eric Liddell in the 1924 Olympics didn't race in his championship gold medal race because it landed on the Sabbath. And you remember that command from God, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. He says this, as he chose not to run, he said, God made me fast and when I, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Living his life from a place of rest, knowing that he didn't have anything to prove, even in a chaotic moment, he was at peace with it. The, the, the movie contrasts him and the other runner, Harold Abrams, who said this, when the gun goes off, I have 10 seconds to prove my existence. You see, when we live our lives trying to prove to everyone around us that we belong, 
that we're good enough, we will always strive to do more and always struggle to rest. Church, do you trust that God is most satisfied when we are obedient and in his presence? Do you trust that he knows best for your life? I challenge you. This month, would you intentionally map out a day of rest and worship one day a week for the month and just see how the Lord uses your obedience.